A car is never just a car. Kelly Blue Book knows it's so much more than that. It's your commuting chariot, your road trip refuge, your I just need a reason to get out of the house. Your car is there for everything. And for everything car, there's Kelly Blue Book. Need a new set of wheels? Price it on Kelly Blue Book. Problem under the hood? Fix it with Kelly Blue Book. Can another car do the job better? Trade it or sell it on Kelly Blue Book. We're here mile after mile, moment after moment. Price it, fix it, trade it, sell it. KBB.com. Visit KellyBlueBook.com to get the journey started. Los Angeles. You do it live once, it feels like it could be a fluke. <laughs> How y'all doing? It's good to see everybody. Last week I felt I was a little too amped. I was a little too excited. It worked live. I was worried it was a little too activated in the recording. So I'm taking a moment to take it in. Thank you. For <laughs> um, I see that you have a Pikachu jacket. I started with what early? Early in life or early tonight? <laughs> early as opposed to what? Later when I was supposed to reveal it. You were going to reveal it later. I see. So early by a timetable you had set for yourself as to when you were going to peacock with that fucking Pikachu jacket and get my attention. But you got a little chilly, and so you put it over your legs, and I came over here first. You were being modest, and now I'm talking to you... A lot. A lot. <laughs> See you later. That amazing song was by Mark Coughlin. If you have a Live or Else theme, please send it to us at leaveitatcrooked.com. Also, we're trying an experiment tonight, which is we have a board in the back where you can put your own high notes... And so we're going to do the high notes live. So if you want to leave a high note for us to talk about at the end of the show, put it up on the board at a moment where it wouldn't be too distracting for me or for the people around you 
show some goddamn respect. <laughs> On this week's show, Ashley Ray joins for our inaugural Do Not Read This Book book club. BJ Novak wrestles with the very notion of reality, and Kara Clank swings by for a return of our hot take segment. But first, <laughs> let's get into it. What a week. This week, Representative Ro Khanna said what we're all thinking about Kirsten Cinema as she continues to drag her feet on passing the reconciliation bill. I guess the question is, what does she want? <laughs> I think it's obvious what Senator Kirsten Cinema wants. It's a hot topic that's just for people over 40. <laughs> In response to pressure, both Cinema and West Virginia Senator and Gruff Man, who you can sort of see sensually making a piece of pottery with a ghost, Joe Manchin. You know what I mean? There's a softness there. You know what I'm saying? It's there. We can deny it, but it's there. He released a statement as well. <laughs> Cinema says she has been providing details in negotiations with the White House and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Manchin said he is open to a $1.5 trillion reconciliation bill if Schumer will agree to stop showing up at his houseboat every morning with one lox and cream cheese bagel to split because you don't need two from the place he goes because they give you such a big portion. Sort of sweet to split it. When asked by a reporter where she was with regards to passing the bill, Senator Sinema said this. There are progressives within the Senate that are frustrated that they don't know where you are either. Uh, I'm, I'm like literally right for the <laughs> So for those, it was a tough audio. So someone said, the Democrats in the House don't know where you are. And she said, I'm right by the elevator because she's doing fucking shtick. <laughs> Seattle melted. There's smoke every third day. And she's like, I got jokes. She went on to say, I haven't decided which floor to get off on, but I'm definitely going to push every button because I stink. <laughs> Cinema's also reportedly been to the White House four times this week as Biden attempts to negotiate a deal to pass both the bipartisan infrastructure bill. <laughs> anyway, he also wants to pass Build Back Better. <laughs> both very important. The bi there's the bipartisan one for roads, and then there's the Build Back Better for the rest of society. <laughs> there's the Rhodes one, and then there's the one that nobody can summarize because it's childcare, climate, tax cuts. I think dentistry is in there. I think, it may, I think dentistry may come out. Uh, the point is, sometimes uh, I think it was a mistake for us to organize our entire society around the principle that the people with the greatest pathological need for attention will be granted the most power as a consequence of getting the most attention. Who wrote this? That's, I hate that. <laughs> Is that about cinema or me? Just halfway through it, I realized I may have been pranked. I'm not even doing the punchline. I hurt my own feelings. <laughs> anyway, about all these shenanigans, Nancy Pelosi told the press this. Let me just tell you about negotiating. At the end, that's when you really have to weigh in. You cannot tire. You cannot concede. This is the fun part. Nancy Pelosi is 81 years old. What is it like to live this way? I regret making dinner plans on a weeknight if I don't get an hour to chill between work and leaving my house again. I freak out because I need that moment to get myself together. She's 81. When my grandparents were 81, it was like breakfast, casino, late lunch, bed. She's dangling Josh Godhomer over the, over the ledge of the fucking Capitol Rotunda. <laughs> Give me the fucking votes, Godheimer. 
I think it's cool. <laughs> Pelosi gets a lot of shit, but deep down, we, we want her there. Right now, a little bit? Come on. <laughs> when questioned if he was confident that the infrastructure bill would pass uh, on Thursday, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer said, nope. <laughs> As of right now, no votes. What's going to happen next? We don't know. In her new memoir, former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grissom details how President Trump allegedly underwent a colonoscopy without anesthesia in order to avoid showing weakness. <laughs> the whole thing takes place in the weakness. <laughs> <laughs> Though Trump did say yes to a little VCR cleaner. I'm so sorry. <laughs> By John, that, that killed in the Pikachu section. <laughs> Uh, I will say, by 2022, we're hoping uh, Love It or Leave It will be 100% poppers jokes. <laughs> On Wednesday, Ted Cruz tweeted in support of NBA players who seem not to be complying with vaccine mandates in New York and San Francisco, saying, I stand with Kyrie Irving and my body, my choice. I can think of no better incentive on earth for anti-vax athletes to get vaccinated than having Ted Cruz express their support. <laughs> I don't want to be with that guy. I had to spell Kyrie out phonetically because I hadn't heard the term before. <laughs> After her daughter's real estate appraiser application was denied by a state employee, South Dakota Governor Christy Nome and her daughter met with uh, the employee, her supervisor, and the state's labor secretary. Nome's daughter was approved four months later, and the agency employee was allegedly forced to retire a week after approving the application. To Christy Nome's daughter, I would just say this. Dream bigger. Your mom will kill off half the state for a motorcycle parade. You could be Surgeon General if you want. It's a lot, of, a lot of corruption to become a real estate appraiser. I'm saying it's a good job, but... This week, Facebook announced that their planned Instagram for kids would be put on pause out of concern that their platform negatively impacts children's self-image. An Instagram spokesperson said in a statement, we have listened to experts and parents, and before launching this project, we want to ensure that kids have time to get hotter. <laughs> Facebook's global head of security, Antigone Davis, which is a really cool name. Antigone Davis? Antigone? That's cool. Testified in the Senate today after the Wall Street Journal published the Facebook files, which exposed the harm Instagram does to teen girls and other groups. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion suicidal teens. <laughs> what are you, you booing? The world we've built? The world we've built for our children? Who have to live in two spaces at once? One's real and one that's a nightmare? This can't really be a surprise to anyone what these studies say. Like, Instagram makes me feel terrible, and I didn't just get my period for the first time during intramural volleyball in front of Josh C., captain of the lacrosse team. I'm a 39-year-old man. She's just saying, no. Cut my age from the podcast. Or make it something else. A whistleblower leaked documents detailing Facebook's research to Congress ahead of the hearing. In one of the more disturbing findings, Facebook concluded that for young Instagram users, social comparison journeys mimic the grief cycle. It's literally just on the slide deck. It's like there this, there's this meeting at Facebook. 
They all get together. It's in the middle of the day. Maybe some of these executives had a finance meeting first. Maybe they had marketing. Then they go on to a Zoom, and then somebody from their research department is, we we have the findings, and uh, our products turn teen girls into widows, mourning the death of their (laughs) self-esteem. It is poison for their minds. It warps them destroys their individuality, leads them to seek out an impossible and singular standard that no one could possibly meet. It becomes a preoccupation for these girls. It overtakes their natural desires and individuality and turns them into shells of their former selves in pursuit of an impossible standard of beauty. And then like an executive's like, can we wrap? Um, I have two minutes till my next thing and I need to go to the bathroom. The grief cycle. <laughs> Claiming the Wall Street Journal mischaracterized their findings, Facebook released two internal decks on Wednesday, and then the Wall Street Journal said, oh yeah, we have more of this. <laughs> that show, among, <laughs> among other things, how users experience a downward spiral exacerbated by the platform and provokes a self-described dysmorphia. The only way to properly characterize their findings would be to have Werner Herzog narrate the presentations, which I genuinely think we should, like, reach out and have him for next week. Can we see if if Werner's available? Tough booking. He could do it from home. I assume at the mouth of a volcano or something. (laughs) Senator Richard Blumenthal's office created an account for a teen girl as an experiment and saw how quickly the account was fed dangerous content about body image and eating disorders which I'm glad they did. I think it was an interesting experiment, but I do think it was wrong to make Greta Thunberg run the account. Because now, <laughs> now she's talking less and less about climate change and more and more about contouring. I don't even know what that is. I think it's a shame. <laughs> Blumenthal also asked Instagram if they would step up and end Finsta. Uh, can we roll the clip? Will you commit to ending Finsta? He was doing well, too, until then. Uh, He followed up by saying, how many young men and women are caught in these thirst traps, and how do we free them? (laughs) I want you all to know, I think this is all a little unfair. He's been doing good work on this Instagram. So we poke fun, but he's been doing good up there. Finsta's side. John Hinckley, (laughs) the man, (laughs) someone just said, Jesus. The man who shot President Ronald Reagan to impress Jodie Foster has been granted unconditional release as of summer 2022. Don't applaud. applaud. I guess, what? stop it. Doesn't mean anything to applaud that. It was finally clear to mental health professionals that he was over his obsession. My question is, why did they wait 20 years to show him Anna and the King? Uh, I love Jodie Foster, but I'm a little skeptical of anyone who has Mel Gibson as their like emergency contact. <laughs> Thanks to Delta-related demand, Costco is limiting sale of toilet paper. (laughs) Ugh. (laughs) Here's the thing, Costco. You can't limit my toilet paper while still selling me unlimited chicken bakes. (laughs) You fucking sickos, you masochists. (laughs) That was a tough one to say. And finally, (laughs) after a month on the lam, a dazzle of escaped zebras are still being spotted around Maryland. Desperate authorities, that's true. Desperate authorities have asked for the public's help in rounding them up before Kirsten Cinema turns them into a coat. 
All right, when we come back, Ashley Ray is here. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else. We live in an era of memoirs and autobiographies. What an insightful point. <laughs> Can't think of something insightful or original? Just describe in detail everything that has ever happened to you and pray someone buys it to fall asleep on a plane. That's all fine and dandy, especially when I personally publish my memoir, which is any day now. Some title ideas. Love it at first sight. That's it. However, there are a lot of books it would be downright morally irresponsible to actually read, let alone purchase. So this week marks the first installment of Love It or Leave It's official Do Not Read This Book book club. We get into it so you don't have to. Joining me now is an incredible comedian and one of our favorite guests. Please welcome Ashley Ray. How you doing? Welcome. Good to see you. You too. You too. I'm going to have a drink. Me too. They, they made me a whiskey soda, so. Nice. Hey. <laughs> this is our, you know, Ashley's been on the show, but this was our first time meeting in person. Yeah. It's better. Yeah. It's been a lot of that, of like meeting Zoom people, IRL. I love it. Oh, I think it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think people just fall in love with me when they, they meet the real thing. But, you know, fair enough. Oh, no, no. I have fallen in love with you. Thank you. But I've met more than just you. Okay, that's you know a what I mean. Point. You're meeting all kinds of people out in the world, and they're not all Ashley's Ray, you know? Uh, precisely. Before we crack a few spines, as they say, <laughs> I wanted to check in with you about one of your, uh, I would say, areas of, of focus. Yes. Which is uh, a, a person by the name of Sean King. Oh, yes. Um, uh, you created yes. an, a video titled, Sean King is a Liar Sometimes. Tell me... Uh, <laughs> what led you to create this text? Uh, well, you see, uh, uh, people don't often know that Sean King is a liar sometimes. He, he gets, yeah, he gets a lot of support mostly around white people who don't like to read. Uh, so I, I noticed last year a lot of my friends were sharing things, like still sharing Sean King stuff, and I was like, come on, how can you still want to share this? I made an Instagram post that was like, come on, he's a liar. And it went viral, which like going viral on Instagram, it, it sucks. It's like going viral in a Joanne's fabric. Like <laughs> all of these like aunts and old women were like, he does more good than you'll ever do. Like, ah. And so then I got sick of people being like, I want to see the receipts and evidence. And so I just made a 30 minute PowerPoint that goes into every single thing he has done that was a scam since he was a church pastor. <laughs> like going back here, I just like lined it all up. Uh, and then I did a scam goddess episode with the wonderful Lazy Mosley. And uh, then I became sort of a, a Sean King scam expert. I think that's good. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because it does seem as though um, he does rely on, on new people coming to the internet. Yes. Like so, real housewife types yeah. <laughs> who are it, like looking for a guru to introduce yeah. them to. Race in America. Yeah, race in America. And I think with some white people, they like that his last name is King because then they only have to remember, like, one new name. Like, it just makes it easier. They're like, oh, Martin, Sean, this is the new one. So it's like you just follow him on Instagram and send money where he says, and it's so simple. 
And if you do like a minute of research, you will see like this guy is a liar, everything he's ever planned, like none of it's ever happened. Like, don't give him money. He'll do this thing. So after his last controversy, uh, the mother of Tamir Rice called him out for stealing money. He's a great guy. <laughs> and uh, he decided to just delete his Twitter. He like made it private and then just deleted the whole thing because Twitter is a place where he can like get called out. People will make threads. But Instagram is just a place where people are like, oh, this is a pretty infographic. Like, I support him. So that's how he does it. And uh, the reason we wanted to ask about this is because there's a new venture. Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell us about it. Oh, my. It's called. So after getting called out by these mothers of the movement, uh, deleting his social media, just running to Instagram where he can continue to confuse housewives, uh, he decided to start a clothing line. Sean King is starting a clothing line called A Real One, which every time I read it, by the way, I'm like, are alone. (laughs) Uh, I'm just like, are alone. That's a weird name, but it's a real one. Uh, where he is selling sweatshirts that are $165. This is also the fun part. When you go to the website to order the hoodie, it says prototype on it, but it's not clear if it's like a prototype or if it's the actual one you're getting. But then he does make it clear you will not get it for 10 to 12 weeks. You're never going to get that hoodie. I'm never going to get my hoodie. You're, never, you're not going to get that hoodie. You gave him $165 uh, you, I'm sorry. Year. One is not going to get one's hoodie. Well, yes. Shit. Yes. Any hypothetical buyers out there, do not cross your fingers on getting that hoodie in 10 to 12 weeks. So you you think that uh, help at Sean King, a real one scam.com is not going to (laughs) be responsive? (laughs) Because I have not gotten my prototype sweatshirt. No, I don't don't think so. I think much like his venture to climb seven mountains, uh, this will be another failure. All right. Well, you know, whether or not I get my sweatshirt, it's not really important. Now it's time. For the Do Not Read This Book book club, it's Stephanie Grissom's I'll Take Your Questions Now, What I Saw in the Trump White House. Do not buy it. In which the former Trump press secretary reveals, well, not all, right? It's probably just like some self-serving stuff and a bunch of lies. Now, Ashley, did I read this whole book? The answer is no. Good. Uh, I have not read any of it. Because HarperCollins changed their mind about sending us a copy. (laughs) Why would they do that? I don't know. And it's still technically under embargo. And <laughs> in, out of respect to Harper Collins, we weren't going to honor it. <laughs> we had a conversation about it. We were going to break the embargo. <laughs> so they were right not to send it. <laughs> a lot has already leaked about the book. So we're going to unpack it using discussion questions culled from the Oprah's book club. Yes. But before you ask, uh, yes, I did look for Reese Witherspoon's discussion questions as well. But you have to get the app. Of course. Reese is an incredible businesswoman. She will want that download. Yeah. Yeah. Don't begrudge Reese that. Please. For even a second. So let's begin uh, with this quote from the book. I knew that sooner or later the president would want me to tell the public something that was not true or that would make me sound like a lunatic. That is why she decided to never have a briefing for Trump, despite that being her job. And Ashley, using Oprah's discussion questions, let's start with this. What do you think motivated the author to share his or her story? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I think uh, at this stage, if you're, you're in the, uh, the position of being like, I probably could have done something to stop Trump, but I waited until I could get a book deal. It's probably going to be money. I'm probably going to be money. I'm, I'm thinking it's, she's motivated by the money. I couldn't agree more. In another passage... <laughs> 
Grissom reveals that once Putin acted cold toward Trump, the 45th president became desperate to be his friend and win his approval, or as Grissom puts it, with all the talk of sanctions against Russia for interfering in the 2016 election and for various human rights abuses, Trump told Putin, OK, I'm going to act a little tougher with you for a few minutes, but it's for the cameras. And after they leave, we'll talk. You understand. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ashley, please imagine I'm Oprah when I ask you this. I am. How does this passage make you feel? <laughs> it makes me feel like maybe I can relate a little bit. Like, I, you know, I'm desperate for the approval of so many men who are cold to me. Uh, There's nothing hotter. There's nothing either, hotter. like, right? It's no. a little like, okay, same. Like, I can't begrudge him this. Like, the whole, like, I'm just going to play tough for a little bit. Like, I won't text back right away. I feel that. I yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. I know, I know it, that. Oh. But they know. They, they know. know. They know they have all the power. They have it's, all the power. So just like Putin. Yeah, just like Putin. Not finding me funny is the hottest thing in the world to me. You yeah. know what I mean? That is the coolest fucking thing a person can do. Oh, my God, yeah. I will seek your approval till the day I die. Yeah, after a show, and I'm just like, did I do good? Did I do good? And they're just like, I'm like, huh? Yeah. And I'm just like, uh. <laughs> Let's get married. Like, what, please? Oh, God, I'm the Trump of, like, all my relationships, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> just desperate for approval. <laughs> I'm just playing tough for the cameras. I have not worked for Hillary Clinton in over a decade. One more chance to make her laugh. <laughs> one more chance. Just one more. Never did get it. Never did get a single laugh. Jeez, that would just drive me wild. I, oh. And I get it. That's the point. We should cut that. In another section... Maybe that whole us. question, my answer to, if we could just cut <laughs> all of that. <laughs> no, no. Leave Ashley's part in. In another section, Grissom says Fiona Hill believed Putin hand-selected his translator to distract Trump, who apparently reacts to women with brown hair the way a cartoon wolf <laughs> reacts to Betty Boop. <laughs> Writes Grissom, as the meeting began, Fiona Hill leaned over and asked me if I had noticed Putin's translator, who was a very attractive brunette with long hair, a pretty face, and a wonderful figure. She proceeded to tell me that she suspected the woman had been selected by Putin specifically to distract our president. The man is ancient. He has seen hundreds of attractive brunettes. He can't act normal around any of them. Anyway, Ashley, that brings me to my next Oprah question. Mm. What, if anything, have you learned from this author's story? <laughs> Ooh, that I can hold a lot of power as a woman with dark hair. Mm -hmm. uh, people like to say blondes have more fun. Uh, not necessarily. You can be deployed as a honeypot and be a brunette. And that's, that's progress. That is the definition of progress. Yeah. In another segment of the book, Grissom describes realizing Trump's temper wasn't just for shock value or the cameras and was often directed at White House counsel Pat Cipollone or others attempting to give him actual advice. Here's a quote. He didn't like them telling him that things he wanted to do were unethical or illegal, so he'd scream at them, but then he'd usually listen and then yell at them again later. <laughs> Ashley, if you could ask the author any question, what would it be? <laughs> what was, like, the worst thing Trump yelled at you? Like, I want to know what his temper tantrums are fully like. I feel like he'd just have the dumbest, like, insults, like, you can't even afford McDonald's. Like, some. <laughs> Was that a brilliant Trump impression? For those please, listening please at home. Please send that to SNL. Thank <laughs> you. 
Brian, get that to SNL. Thank you. Overnight it. Please. Print it and overnight it to SNL. Lauren will be waiting for that one. But I just feel like it would be like half like just curse words and half just like, what are you, you buy your pants at Kohl's or something? <laughs> like, I just like the idea that this is the book of a person who decided to be Trump's press secretary in year five <laughs> and is acting like this was some kind of a revelation. Yeah. Like... <laughs> How I came to discover the most obvious fucking thing on planet Earth yeah. <laughs> by Stephanie Grissom. Uh, in another <laughs> incredible moment, she describes being called from Air Force One and being made to agree with Trump that his penis was normal. No. <laughs> After Stormy Daniels described it as resembling the mushroom yeah. character in Mario Kart. Yeah. And just shout out to Toadstool and his whole family. Yeah. That is so unfair. Just living your life, being the worst choice in Super Mario 2. <laughs> Not his fault. Oh, dragged gosh. into this. Grissom, yes, I know that Toadstool is in Mario Kart. <laughs> but I don't choose Toad because it's for more advanced players because he's fast. But you got to have good controls on him. Yeah. He turns too quickly. There, I like there's a, a lot of agility there. I like a Bowser. Character. I like a Bowser. I yeah. like to take more of a kind of driving Miss Daisy approach <laughs> to Mario Kart. A slow acceleration, a slow deceleration. That's what you get with Bowser. It's safer. You know what I mean? Slow and steady. I never win. <laughs> That's what the show is about now. Yeah. So anyway, back to the book, Ashley. Yes. Uh, Trump's penis is like toadstool. toadstool. His press uh, secretary had to reassure him yes. otherwise. Voiced by Keegan-Michael Key in an upcoming <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> How much money is he getting to voice Trump's dick, dick in a movie? Right, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which begs the book club question, how did this book change your mood? Anytime I have to think about Trump's penis, I'm in a bad mood. That, that's immediately setting me on a path I don't want to be on. You know, I, I'm happy that Trump has people around whom, him who don't body shame. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I gotta say, that, that's good. I wouldn't expect that from Team Trump. That's, you know, nice to see. This is a phone call from Air Force One. And it just occurs to me now that the technology involved in connecting that secure phone, there are people in the military on the line. <laughs> it's being patched through satellites. Yeah. No, sir, it's quite normal, I believe. 100%. As your, as your press secretary, sir, let me reassure you. I'm sure it's great. Did she have to see it? Or I don't I know. Okay. I hope not. I don't want to know. And finally, and perhaps most bizarrely of all, Grissom purports that an unnamed staffer had to constantly play the song Memory from the musical Cats to calm Trump down. If he started to fly off the handle. Final Oprah Book Club question, Ashley. Do you think the author was honest? <laughs> yeah, I need that to be true. I need this to be 100% true because it's amazing, the thought of Donald Trump just, like, crying to memory from cats. Yes. Like, to calm himself just, like, so on the emotional brink of just the story of cats. Like, it could be, it's, like, it could be any song from, like, Les Mis, and he's like, no, I don't get that shit. I want cats. I just love how frozen and fucking amber he is in like late 80s early 90s yes. New York because for those of us who are from the New York metropolitan area cats at the Winter Garden Theater I mean this was it was unstoppable <laughs> never went 
Same. I didn't. I didn't I just saw it. the commercials over and over again, and I my whole childhood I was like, "What is this? What What are these costumes? What are these people doing on this stage?" And yeah, and Trump, who I assume has seen ever like so many Broadway plays, Phantom of the Opera, probably like he has a world he could choose from, and he goes with Cats. I need that to be true. They're pretty good songs, Cats. Could be worse. It could be. <laughs> It could be worse. I was trying to think of a worse musical, but honestly, I hate Cats so much. (laughs) I just think Cats comes from a moment in time when you were allowed to do cocaine (laughs) at work. Yes. (laughs) Unapologetically and just say, hey, I know what you're thinking. I only went into my office for seven hours. (laughs) But believe it or not, I wrote literally 17 songs, though if I'm being honest, three are reprise. Uh, and while there is technically no story, it's perfect. Yeah. And it's done. No and notes. I'm done. And I need to go home. So this is Cats. And now I'm rich forever. <laughs> Which is such a cool thing yeah. about Cats. I see why Trump would be into it. I see why Trump would be into it too. And that's the Do Not Buy This Book Book Club. Thank you to Ashley Ray. When we come back, we have some uh, moral quandaries to pose to BJ Novak. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. (laughs) Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me. Not me. I'm running on rails. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the, the, the attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues. And she's mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm-hmm. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love it. And we're back. My next guest is a brand new anthology TV show called The Premise, which grapples with a new modern moral dilemma each episode. It's Black Mirror without the technology. So basically it's regular mirror. And no, the conclusion of every episode isn't technology is ruining society. We can do that without it, you know? Humanity's capable of doing that on its own. We here at Love It or Leave It always enjoy wrestling with the big issues, both fictional and otherwise. So tonight we have the premises creator, BJ Novak, here to join us to untangle some moral quandaries. Please welcome BJ Novak. Hi, BJ. This is so exciting. I've never, um, I haven't done any performing. I'm not going to do this, but... I've not done any stand-up. Oh. Outdoors, it feels like you're at a rally. It's cool, right? It feels like you're Mussolini or something. That's who I That's would be how at a rally. I feel. That's how I feel. Yeah. I do think it ends with me uh, dangling from my feet being dragged through the streets of Los Angeles. 
Have you seen the YouTube clips of him? It's very silly. He's a Mussolini? Yeah, he's a very silly figure. He's like, you know, he's like a silent movie comedian. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That seems like one thing you learn from history is that fascists are fundamentally silly in a way that lets people think their guards should be down. It's when in reality, that's part of the way in which they manage to accrue power. It's something I honestly, it clicked in. That was the one that clicked it in for me. But yes, I agree. Let's get to some more. So let's not be too funny. Let's not. No, let's not be too. We don't want to set off any alarm bells. (laughs) They're on to it. I want to be the perfect level of funny that creates a movement that can't be stopped through ordinary politics. I'm just I don't really want to. That much. I watched the first two episodes of the show, um, and I really appreciated that Ben Platt was wearing a Pod Save America <laughs> t-shirt, which that I love. for you. Thank you. And I also, the, the second episode is about guns, and I really liked the way you built suspense throughout the episode, and I also liked that there's a moment in that show where you see the, the main character kind of espouse both points of view mm-hmm. in full. And in the kind of Ben Platt episode, there also seems to be this effort to kind of see both sides of like what it means to be a kind of progressive quote woke end quote liberal. What is your goal with the premise? Like, what are you trying the, to? The goal show? with the show is is to not do anything other than than explore what it feels like to be in this age filled with issues. So, what is funny about it? What is dramatic about it? Um, but when there are ideas expressed, I try to make them be sort of the background, the scenery in which characters wrestle with things, and, and ideally you feel for them. So it, it was fun to sort of write very, very different points of view from my own all over the place. For years and years, we've seen sort of zombie movies, and in zombie movies, there's this question like, what would humanity do? How would they respond? And then in the past uh, two years we've been through this global pandemic and one thing we learned is like oh people are just going to do whatever the fuck they want they're not going to pay attention they're not going to listen how did the pandemic and the way people reacted shape the show because there's a moment in the first episode where this is a post-pandemic world because he tweets as a woke right. person that everybody should get vaccinated uh, his credibility is torn apart because he has tweeted never trust the government never trust the pharmaceutical industry and the government is doing an amazing job rolling out the vaccine you're an idiot if you don't get it so i can imagine saying any of these three things i have felt all of these things at various points and they don't all go together <laughs> um, uh, so I, I think we're all in situations like this but is it a post-pandemic world now this is I, I don't i can't tell you the exact month it's set I think a lot of shows that have taken place, look, every show takes place, you busted me, every show takes place in an alternate reality in which these particular things happened, right? That's true. So? In the same way that um, there's no Julia Roberts uh, in the world of Notting Hill. But there is in Ocean's 12. But there is in Ocean's 12. Right. So I'm sort of doing Ocean's 11 and a half. Like, things are are very real, but it is an alternate reality in which the pandemic happened a few months differently than it did for us. Enough stalling. It's time for ethical quandaries. You're driving a trolley like you so often do, only to realize there are five total strangers tied to the track. Your only option is to switch the trolley to a different track wherever there is one person tied to the second track. That person is me. Hmm. What do you do? Who's on the other track? Just some fucking normals. Well, now I definitely know who I'm hitting. (laughs) All right, fine. You killed me. Good decision. A few years ago, and this is real, I was stoned in line at the movie theater. This is a true story. 
And two things happened at the same time. One, I saw that uh, BJ was behind me in line. This was at the Grove. And I realized that I had not dealt with an issue involving my credit card. And I was about to find out whether or not my credit card would work. That's and a major, were, major and, moment in every man's life. And you were right behind me, and I'd ordered a fair amount. What did you order? It was probably soda, popcorn, probably a Reese's Pieces, and probably nachos. That's a I, huge order. They were probably to share with myself. And, and as I got to the front of the line, I realized that I would might have to turn to you to pay for all this food. I would have loved it. And so here's what I did. And this is 100% this happened. Again, I'm really stoned. And I just say, oh, let me get BJ's food. And I sit, turn to the thing and say, oh, so get, uh, uh, BJ, what do you want? I'll get it for everybody. This is brilliant. My theory being <laughs> that if now, because I've tried to be generous, if the card doesn't work, yeah. it's obviously embarrassing. But there's no conversation after that. BJ steps up and pays for the food, right? I don't remember. I must have been stoned too. But my card did go through. Okay. Do you remember when I bought your popcorn at the movies? At I all? It seems like no one has a memory of this that can be trusted. But this is very much not a moral dilemma. This is a strategic con operational tactic yeah, it was, that you're it? asking me to analyze. And in this case, it backfired. It was a smart statistical guess on your it was part. was cool, though, right? It was smart, right? And if there, is, if there is morality involved, it is a karmic fate that stepped in to teach you a lesson against the statistical likelihood. And you, you don't remember me treating you at the movies at all? Nothing. Because, <laughs> like, uh, obviously I was trying to scam you, but it did, as you say, Yeah, backfire. let me say this. It does not seem like the kind of story somebody makes up. <laughs> so I do believe it. BJ, is it okay to litter when you're inside the Matrix? Whoa. Uh, sure. A little bit, yeah. Do you believe we're in a simulation right now? No. And I, I think it's so funny that the staunchest atheists in the technology business just create their own god, which is in their own image, and it's some cool programmer from another era who has programmed an entire universe that we're living in. It's literally God, what God was thousands of years ago. Oh, it's a man who is bigger than us. Like, this is, they've just invented religion all over again. So no, I don't believe this bullshit religion. Because I Looks do. Like you're, yeah. <laughs> you're scared that they're hearing it. Well... <laughs> Here's the thing. I owed my mother a call. Her name is Fran. And then earlier today, a very cute dog jumped on me. And then I said, what's this dog's name? And the owner said, Fran. Mm. Next question. <laughs> if you have, if you have. That'll do it. That'll, I, I, you see what I right. mean? You see yep. what I mean? I do see what you mean. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's the first unusual thing I've heard of in a long time. <laughs> I got to revise everything. Changed a lot of things for me. If you have seen a thing your friend is in and you did not like it, Ooh. do you say you liked it when they ask you? They ask you? Yeah, he said, what'd you think? Well, I didn't say that to you. Does that mean you didn't lie to me about my show? I did not lie to you about your show. Sure. Um, no, thank you. Hey, what'd you that... think of my new TV show? What do you do? It was very interesting. I don't know. Wow, so you don't want to lie. I think, I think you say I liked it, but it's a different language. They know, yeah, I liked it. If they're asked is a neutral answer. You can't get a real answer if you. I would never ask. I wait. Yeah, but I, hope. I think you're dodging. I think you're. Uh, it's I'm still dodging. lying. Yes, you're dodging. If someone comes to you and says, "Enough of this shenanigans," I want to know. I worked really hard on this, and I value your opinion, and I want to hear it straight. Did you like my show? I didn't like it. What? Okay. 
So how would that feel? Here's you don't, how, you don't here's have a show, so this is hypothetical. It is. I don't. I don't have a show. This is hypothetical. You don't have here's a show. Here's what do you? I do. That would be even worse. Believe me, you I don't. You haven't heard about my show. You haven't heard about my new show on one of the many platforms. Here's what I'm saying. Here's my response. If you tell me you don't like the show, what does that sound, Q? Yeah. Here's like, the thing. Here's the thing. Bill De Blasio got the dirt bikes, but not in L.A. Here's my point. Even you here, we blame De Blasio. <laughs> Fucking De Blasio. I'm sure he's involved. Fucking De Blasio. His fingerprints are on this. Because if, if we're friends and I ask you what you think and you say you don't like it, here's what I say back. You know what? I knew you were going to fucking say that. And you're going to say it because you have resented any fucking success that I have oh. all the time. You are not. It kills me. I shouldn't have asked. You're right. You know what? You're right. I shouldn't have asked. You have honest friendships. And I think that's great. You're well, out your I friends. Would love, I would love a friend who said I did not like your show if they didn't like my show. Oh, I would hate it would that. It would hurt my feelings. Cut them right out of my but I, It's actually what tonight's episode of The Premise is about. The commenter. Anyway. Mm. On Hulu right now. Yeah. You're at your friend's wedding and find out an hour before the ceremony that they are cheating on their spouse to be. Do you say anything? Oh, I thought this was going to be the young MC bust a move moral dilemma. <laughs> and I was I had been preparing for that since I was 10 years old. <laughs> um, involving your best friend, Larry. It's an hour before the wedding. Yeah. You just found out they're cheating on their spouse to be. Do you say anything? No, because I don't know what their arrangement is. He doesn't know what the arrangement is. Yeah. I don't know that they're cheating. Right. Unless they're like, holy shit, don't tell anybody. This is a betrayal. <laughs> Is it ever and I don't <laughs> like your show. If they just lay it all out, then I know something is amiss. This is his brother, and I found it a bit ponderous. Is it ever okay to ghost someone? Yeah, it's, it's ideal. <laughs> no, no, no. I understand why it's okay for you. Is it ever morally acceptable to ghost someone? Oh, no, I meant it's ideal on the other side. You yeah, think I it's ideal to be ghosted? Yeah, it's so elegant. It's like, hey, where did they go? I, they must be busy. We live in an age of so many distractions. You know, a, a few days, by the time you know you've been ghosted, so many other things have happened. So you don't even remember the, the slight. Listen. I've been ghosted. Yeah. I don't even remember by who. Uh, you don't sound like a ghosty. You sound like a ghoster. <laughs> Whoa, did I ghost you, sir? This, is, this feels cathartic for you in particular. Yeah, he um, was super into that. You ghosting people? Yes, I'm sure, all the time. I don't know what I'm... I'm being ghosted, too. Isn't everyone ghosting everybody all the time? Do you ever engage in the premise? All right, okay. Does the premise Thank ever do an episode? Honesty. This is a crowd of friends. I'll go through my phone later. Does the premise ever engage in the question, do two wrongs make a right? Uh, Re-ghosting? I, I would love to see the pro argument for two wrongs make a right. It's kind of a straw man of a moral dilemma. Um, On the other hand, perhaps it's doubly wrong. Yeah, I'm with that guy. <laughs> On the other hand, perhaps it's doubly wrong. If a deranged billionaire approached you and said, I'm going to mobilize my immense power to enact a $15 minimum wage in the U.S., but only if you agree to treat all service workers terribly to the degree that it becomes your reputation, and there are memes about it, you can tell no one. You in? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've been doing that. I mean, <laughs> I think I do ghost them equivalently let's say I said no and then I was accidentally rude to people I'd be like oh my god I could have fucking saved America right I was just too vain in the moment yeah so yeah you gotta I, go it would it. haunt me every time I was polite to a waiter I'd be like I could have yeah. could have saved so, a lot of yeah I would I would let them do it for sure okay good okay good you passed that one but yeah. I don't know about this minimum no just kidding <laughs> 
If you knew your social media platform caused one third of teen girls who use it to mentally spiral over their body image, but it made you a lot of money, <laughs> would you keep it up? I would ban the Finsta program is what I would You'd do. Ban the Finsta program. Now, but what if it was the List app? Oh, God. Great, great deep cut. Great deep cut. I would, uh, I would morally I would do the right thing. you do the right thing. You'd yeah. shut down the List app. Sure. Yes. Why don't you say that that's why you did? Yeah, you're right. I was concerned about teen body image among the <laughs> 20 users. Not all heroes wear capes. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I redeemed myself in his eyes. This Thank is you. a broader question, but I was actually just curious about your thoughts. Do you think social media has been a net positive or a net negative wow. for society? Great question. I think in theory it should be a net positive. And perhaps if it went on forever would straighten into a net positive, but it, it is a net negative currently. If it stopped right now, you'd be like, that sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does feel like we're in this, like when you strip away everything else, right? Facebook says, here are the things we do that are good. And then the rest of us say, here are the ways in which it's hurting us and yeah. the ways it feels bad. And yet we all still use it in part because we do get some things out of it, some positive, some negative. But it does seem right now it is hard to argue that there is a net positive effect on this universal product that we've all kind of signed up for. Yeah, I, I think since you gave me permission to engage this as a serious question, I think that capitalism and morality used to be assumed in this sort of all-American spirit to be more or less aligned. And this is a very clear case in which you have to say, hey, this is your moral dilemma. What if they're not? You know, because I do think that this is sort of like social life, social interactions taken to a capitalist endpoint, and it might be a great economic system and not a great moral system, but when they're on this sort of infinitely parallel plane, um, you have some big, big decisions to make. You can't just be in this sort of general middle class fantasy, uh, which isn't entirely right by any means anyway, but this, this general all-American fantasy that capitalism and morality, basically freedom and goodness and right will will be more or less aligned. I think this is a test of that. Final question. You really don't think we're in a simulation right now because here's the thing. These games are getting better and Whoa, better. The all the <laughs> it's 9-11. I mean, spooky. <laughs> like, now that you mention it. BJ Novak, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That was great. Thank you so much. Viva Italia. <laughs> sure. When we come back, Kara Clank and Ashley don their oven mitts to handle some scalding hot takes. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. And we're back! You'd think by Thursday we'd be tired of all the internet's 24-7 hot take cycles. Not me, though. I have a psychological problem. I need more spicy opinions, which is why I've asked Ashley Ray back to the stage for the show's second round of what we previously dubbed Lord of Hot Takes, and we're going to keep calling it that, because, I don't know, we couldn't come up with something better. It was because Lord, the musician... Uh, ate a bunch of spicy hot wings as if they were nothing on that show Hot Ones. And we decided to do spicy hot takes inspired by her. 
But we thought we can't generate the number of hot takes we need with just the two of us. So we'll also be joined by comedian and host of That's Messed Up, Kara Clank. Please welcome Ashley and Kara. Hi. Hey, we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, hi. Hi. Give me Hello. some bow. Good to hi. see you. Thanks for coming. I always sit on this yeah. side because even though that's traditionally the host seat, mm -hmm. and actually, interesting fact, most talk shows on television where the host sits here yeah. fail. You got to oh. sit on that side. Oh. I don't know why, but it's one of those rules. The problem is this is my good side. Got this it. is for no one. <laughs> here are the rules. Neither I nor my guests have seen these hot takes. That's real. They were hand-selected without our input or knowledge. No matter what take we each receive, we must defend it with our lives. Kara, Ashley, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's see oh the first hot take and who it's for. Wine <laughs> is overrated, and wow. who is this for? It's for Kara. <laughs> be for you. Ugh, I'm a mom. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Wine is overrated. Well, am I supposed to buy the cheap stuff? Am I supposed to buy the expensive stuff? I, well, I have to get a degree to understand how to drink this shit. I mean, yeah. I'm. Uh, you have a couple glasses. You want to die in the morning. I mean, <laughs> I don't. What the hell is skin contact? Yuck. Why drink wine when there's vodka? Do you know what I mean? That I think you did it. Let's get to it faster. That's my time. Wine is overrated. <laughs> Great job defending that one. I love you, wine. Let's see what's next. <laughs> Being a Disney adult is actually kind of cool. <laughs> uh, that is for Ashley. Of course it is. Of course it is. Okay, yes. Uh, being a Disney adult is actually kind of cool because... It is cool to be arrested in development and to have the brain of like a 10 year old. <laughs> uh, I think being a Disney adult is cool because I think it's cool when there are people in the world who've like never done any cool drugs uh, and their form of excitement is Disney World. I think that that is good uh, and those people are good people. <laughs> All right. Def yes. Sully Sullenberger isn't really a hero. Those planes land themselves. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. Uh, I've flown many times, and my favorite pilots are the ones that hit zero fucking geese. <laughs> there have been yeah. plenty of times in my life where I've made a mistake at work and then worked incredibly hard to fix it. But you know what's even better than that? Not fucking up and hitting the geese in the goddamn first place. He crashed with style. And then he made it his brand. And then all of a sudden we were supposed to listen to this guy on other topics. <laughs> all of a sudden he's teaching us about leadership. Like Sully Sullenberger's tips to being a great leader under fire. And it's like, all right, man, you didn't kill everybody on board. That's what every pilot does every single day with rare and terrible exceptions. Yes. What's, what's next? Law and Order SVU should end with Elliot Stabler and Olivia Benson getting married. Wow. Who is that for? 
That's for Kara. This is because I have a Law & Order podcast? Okay. <laughs> probably. Um, probably. Hopes. This is very coincidental, if not. We just started the 23rd season. We're 500 episodes in. Let Olivia fuck. Can she yes! not fuck? <laughs> Let her fuck, Let Stabler. Let her fuck. Let her fuck. Let her fuck. For the apartments. Let her fuck. Let her fuck. For the church with the bells. Let her fuck. Let her <laughs> Honestly, this woman has been kidnapped. Her son has been kidnapped. Oh, She's God, been beaten. Yeah. She's gone undercover and been what? attacked. Let her fuck. Like, let her have let Stabler. Her have His wife just got blown up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> let him fuck. Let them fuck each other. Yes. This is what I want. I want a white wedding. I want a 55-year-old Mariska Hargitay <laughs> walking down the aisle it, like a virginal bride. Yes. To meet the alpha male stabler at the top with his Jesus Christ tattoo. Because I want him sleeveless at the wedding. And that's what I want. Let's see what's next. Ben Affleck could do better than J-Lo. That's for Ashley. Godspeed, Ashley. You know what? Yeah. Ben Affleck could do better than J-Lo. Because you know what? I think there are some really hot, amazing people out there who are super into Boston guys. And they're smart ladies who are attractive and cool and maybe on this stage right now. And I just think that Ben Affleck could do better than J-Lo because he probably has a lifetime Dunkin' Donuts card. And like, I'd appreciate that. I think a, I think a lot of ladies would. And, <laughs> you know, I bet he knows, like, all the best bars in Boston. For sure. To get punched at. And, like, I, so, yeah. I And, you know, honestly, J-Lo going back to an ex, that's pretty weak. Uh, I've never done it. So, yeah, am I stronger than J-Lo? Yeah. So, could Ben do better? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he could. Uh, that was awesome. As was the person who shouted, don't reduce him to a Boston guy. <laughs> Did you produce Argo? What the fuck? <laughs> Let's see what's next. John F. Kennedy was hot by 2021 standards. Yes! I assume that's for me. I will now defend the statement, John F. Kennedy was hot by 2021 standards. Here's what I'll say. Uh, he has great bone structure. I don't even know why I'm hesitating. I would fuck John F. Kennedy in a heartbeat. The man is incredibly handsome. He was on a boat in the fucking Pacific in, the, in World War II or World War II. I know it's World War II. Yeah, it seems right. And, you know, there are all those old photos of Kennedys playing sports for the love of their father, and I think that that's really good. I think it's cool to be with somebody whose whole identity was seared into them by competition as children and what was clearly 100% conditional love. (laughs) I think we need a little bit more conditional love in 2021. Yes. That's what turns me on. That's what turns on Ashley. Yeah. Headline. I'd fuck John F. Kennedy. What's next? Bravo is getting boring. That must be you. Is this for Kara? Godspeed. Guys, listen. Bravo's getting boring. It's getting boring. No, it's getting boring. I don't care about Erica. 
that whole storyline just does not really do it for me at all. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, listen, we canceled Dallas. Some of these cities are just not fucking performing. And uh, DC couldn't cut it. And we're, we're on like season 14 of, of Atlanta. And I can't even bring Atlanta into it. It's so good. Okay. Um, you know, FX has a lot of cool stuff on it. <laughs> And <laughs> watch the premise on and, FX. Um, watch <laughs> the premise on. Uh, is that what it's on? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. FX on. I've been. I've been paid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gave us all twenty dollars backstage <laughs> to say that. I'm not watching Vanderpump anymore. Those kids can just all go f- screw. I'm not watching that anymore. Uh, all the summer houses and winter house. I don't need any more rich kids banging and throwing each other into pools. I don't need that. It's not fun to watch. Bravo is boring now. It's time we face it. What's Hot next? Defended. Right, that was a really hard. The one royal thing. family was right about Meghan Markle. Oh my God. This is not for, for me. Ashley. No. Oh, the royal family was. <laughs> the royal family was right about Meghan Markle. Uh, <laughs> They were right uh, because the monarchy is something that should only involve dying old white people. And so they were right to basically kick her out of the family uh, because she wasn't on brand, honestly, with that. And so they were right. (laughs) I'm ashamed of us. Uh, And also, you know, Suits isn't that great of a show so uh i think it was maybe maybe he could have done a little better maybe he could have got somebody from you know at least lost or rizzolian isles rizzolian isles like at the the very very least like a backup person on psych or something (laughs) like so, you know, I think the royal family, yeah, they have high standards. They're expecting at least like a Emmy winner. So, yeah. Wow. wow. What a what an incredible defense. I think it was smart to go to suits. I think it was the only place to go. Let's see what's yeah. ne- Let's see what's next. You masochists. <laughs> Sweatpants should be banned from the workplace. I yeah. Uh, All right, I'll I'll take this one on. I think it's really good that uh, we have a set of professional standards that require people to be uncomfortable. If people aren't deeply uncomfortable at work, they might briefly, for a flickering moment, forget that they are at work. That if they don't feel a kind of pressure on their waist, a kind of tightness, an unnatural constraint at their waist level, they might feel comfortable during the day. And you don't want that, all right? Next thing you know, comfortable people start to have ideas about other ways that they could be comfortable. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yes. That they could be uh, working less and being paid more. They could, um, uh, they could expect benefits uh, yeah. to be treated like a person. And we can't have that. No, not, not in, not in the, the late stages of rapacious American capitalism. Sweatpants are a door to a place we cannot go. Yes. Now, what if I told you that I've discovered a kind of sweatpants secret, which is they now make sweatpants that are printed to look like jeans. These are the most dangerous of all. What if I told you I've been wearing them multiple days a week? 
And then while wearing the sweatpants that are painted to look like jeans, I ordered several more pairs. <laughs> because the other night, not only did I wear them to work, I wore them to a sushi restaurant. And I felt like I had a dirty, sexy secret. The secret being that I look like I'm wearing jeans, the work pant of the restaurant world. But in fact, these are buttery, soft sweatpants in which I can eat as much as I want of this dish that somehow went from being something you saw once to something you saw literally everywhere, which is something called spicy tuna crispy rice. <laughs> no sweatpants at work. What's next? That's it. <laughs> Those weren't that hard. Guys, give it up for Kara Clank and Ashley Ray. Incredible job picking up these scorching hot takes. When we come back, the high note. And we're back. Now it's time for the high note. We are going to experiment with high notes in person. Let's start with, where are Jess and Stacy? I can't see. What's your high note? Uh, we haven't seen each other in 18 months because Stacy lives in Baltimore, and it took this podcast to get us in the same place at the same time. That's so nice. Let's go to Shane. Where's Shane? Hi, Shane. What's your high note? Uh, my high note is that I was an Adopt-A-State mod, along with all these beautiful people right here in the front, and we're meeting in person for the first time. You're meeting in person for the first time? That's great. Wait, let's go to um, Natalie. <laughs> uh, wait, what's your high note, Natalie? This week, I scheduled appointments for both my parents and myself for us to get booster shots. Great. <laughs> I love that. Right Aid's throwing shots in the garbage. Everybody go get your fucking boosters. Those are these nerds at the FDA. Leave this in. I don't care. It's time we talk about it. Oh, you got a PhD? Yeah, well, I got a booster. Uh, <laughs> this says it's by... Uh, wait, we're looking for a done bitch. Yes! Is that you? No! It's not you. You're just excited. Who is the person who wrote that? They're pointing. <laughs> My manager uh, finally revealed himself to fully be a dick, so now I will be quitting my job and uh, leaving him with a team that uh, can do nothing, so. I see, I see, so I, I love that. So your high note is you just fucked some shit up and left a done bitch size hole at work that no one there can fill. Yes, smash the patriarchy. Smash, smashing the patriarchy. Terrific. What's your high note, Michael F.? Uh, I think it's that I can sleep better at night knowing that Britney's almost free. Yeah. Uh, so Ronan Farrow and Gia Tolentino wrote an incredible investigative piece for The New Yorker. Uh, is Ronan Farrow. He's a journalist. And... I would say one of the great privileges of my life is I get to see how Ronan works, uh, which is I get to see not only the kind of like, you know when um, in X-Men, when if Cyclops takes off his glasses, he has to be directed or it will burn a hole through the earth. That's the way Ronan approaches everything from journalism to like ordering at the Cheesecake Factory. It's a kind of intense beam of light that could burn through lead 
So it's always a pleasure to see that in action, as is getting to find out what he knows but can't always print. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say anything else. Otherwise, he'll stop talking to me. <laughs> Let's go to Laura I. Hi, Laura. Hi. What's your high note? My neighbor had a birthday party, and she gave us weed goodie bags. Yeah! Sick. Great high note. Love that for you. Alex, what's your high note? Hi. So my high note is that I was in love with my best friend for years, and it only took the world to stop spinning and a global pandemic to realize that she also liked me too. Uh, and now in a couple weeks, it'll have been one year since she's been putting up with my nonsense and going on dates with me. That's awesome. And that's our show. Thank you to BJ Novak, Ashley Ray, Kara Clank, everyone who sent in a high note. And shout out, I want to shout one more person out that I didn't say last week, which is Sandy Gerard, who did an incredible job over the last year figuring out how to get us live. When she started, she said, we will do a show in a parking lot. And we fucking did it. So thanks to Sandy. Sandy! There are 401 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I'll see you next week. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our senior producer. Hallie Keeper is our head writer. Jocelyn Kaufman, Pallavi Gunalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Bill Lance is our editor. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Marissa Meyer, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Nar Melkonian and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for filming and editing video each week so you can.